I can't. can't Harvey. That's okay. okay. We'll get started in three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your seriously pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things throughout time and across the forbidden forest, James. Wow. <laughs> I just said James. It's Jackie. We're going to throw that in the in the messed up reel. That's what we're going to do. Okay. Starts apparently, with a J. Because apparently I can't, uh, I can't tell gender. But anyways. I was, yeah, I was going to say I don't look see like gender, James, Jackie. Anyways, okay. One. No offense, James. One, two, three. And who are you? Oh, sorry, sir. I'm Harry, sir. Harry Potter. Good Lord. Are you really? Well, Ron's told us all about you, of course. When did he get here? This morning. Your sons flew that enchanted car of yours to Surrey and back last night. Did you really? How'd it go? I mean, that was very wrong indeed, boys. Very wrong of you. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations about Culture, your seriously pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things across time and the forbidden forest. My name's David, and I'm joined today by Jackie. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You've been good? So I know we've been a little busy the last uh, couple months or so. Yeah, you think? Yeah, just a little bit, right? I know with uh, if anybody hears any... Uh, uh, cooing or whatnot that's our uh, our newest addition to the family uh marcela she has decided to uh join us for this one she's uh <laughs> not as uh, uh free spirited and running around as the other one is we have to have to take a little more care of her so <laughs> so just uh, give us a little give us some leeway today guys but uh if you guys hadn't heard from the intro we will be talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, this is going to be part of our Harry Potter series that we've uh, started already. And we decided finally, uh, now that we have a little bit of a, a break after a month of a break in, Marcy breaking us in, uh, we've decided to jump back up on that horse and we're going to try and maybe do a couple more of these Harry Potter books because we these are something that we we've have a long history with. I know you do, especially, don't you, Jackie? Uh, yeah, I love the books and I've reread them, all of them, at least twice. And yeah. I feel like yeah. in especially English, the first three. Yeah, in English and Spanish, right? Well, yeah, I've only read the first two in Spanish. Yeah. But so, yeah, first three big fans. I know they're a big fan. They're great. So before we get deep dive into the lore that is Harry Potter, this this magical wizarding, wonderful wizarding world that it is, um, what have you been up to while uh, other than taking care of the little one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I mean, you you kind of got it. Um, I did start watching Loki, yeah. on Disney Plus, and really enjoyed that. Um, uh-huh. Really enjoying it and uh watched raya and the last dragon really enjoyed that and luca also so a lot yeah. of disney a lot of disney really stuff really enjoying it and they've been they've been firing on all cylinders this last summer mm-hmm. this summer i mean i have had a blast especially you turned me on to raya uh which That's i truly so i really enjoyed that one I, we're gonna have to do an episode on that one because i, I like i said or a little bit earlier i thoroughly enjoyed it and i thought it was probably one of the best uh, Disney, I would call it Disney princess movie. It's one of the best Disney princess movies that they come out in a long, with a long, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, I did like the, um, the princess and the frog they did a little while back. 
I liked the setting. It was a little eh, not as much as like I, I, those that I was I was into, but this was more along the lines of like a mood lawn type type film almost a little bit. Um, yeah, a bird is hitting the window. Okay, it's, yeah, good to it, know. it's a bird. It was freaking me out too. Concerned. So I looked over there. It's a cardinal. I don't know why it's hitting the window. It's kind of trying to go in. You know how birds do that sometimes. Small but anyways, world. but but yeah, I kind of liked it. I like I said, I don't want to go too much into it, but I I I think we should do a, a, a episode on that at some point. That yeah, would be I'd fun. be down for that. Yeah, I think Raya and but Raya and Luca both. My only complaint would be the endings are almost like too unrealistically happy. But then again, <laughs> after COVID in the past two years, yeah. I'm down for that. And I'm, I want yeah. some happy. So I, all the happiness. You I'm can not even going to create. I won't diss it. And you're right. Raya was awesome. It's a lot like Avatar, the last airbender. But yeah. that, that's all I'll say. I just yeah. well, very we'll, creative. We'll dig into that a little fun. bit more. But yeah, I have. I've actually been, I, I started watching Loki on my own because I know you've always been, you've been kind of busy, like I said, with the little ones and I've been going back to work. Uh, so you kind of had your hands full with, you know, head running around, running around with two kids. And like I said, I tip my hat to anybody that has, you know, any kind of children. That's just, it's <laughs> any kind of children, any kind of, kind of children, funny. <laughs> any kind of children. I mean, there's dog like, parents out there dog like that children, dog children, whatever it is. Children. It's exhausting. So that's the sheer true. fact that you have time to do anything, my hat comes off to anybody, especially if you, you know, go to work or anything like that and throw all this stuff. But even like stay at home parents, it's like it's exhausting just mentally and mm-hmm. physically. So, but yeah, I've been I, I started watching Loki and you caught up to me and I think we're going to just watch it together now. I I would like to do that with you because yeah, me too. it's pretty fascinating. We've gotten to the point where, you know, he he's messing around with the TVA on there to the time variance authority, which yeah. is pretty fun. I'm not giving anything away there. And yeah, he, don't they, reveal anything. It's, 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 it's gotten a pretty fun point. I think it's this is the halfway point. It is. Of the series. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see well, what they I'm do with it. I'm pretty sure it is. If it's like WandaVision, it's going to be eight, eight, eight episodes. It'll be eight episodes, yeah. It's like it's basically like a slightly extended movie is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. So, But yeah, I've been doing that. I started playing The Outer Worlds, which is uh, kind of a Fallout New Vegas uh, <laughs> knockoff. It's it's fun. I enjoyed it. It's it's one. It's just a basically a, kind of a an action RPG so I'm enjoying. You saw me playing it when you came down here. A lot of dialogue, a lot of choices and things. You have oh, different okay, skills and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So steampunkish looking girl. A little bit. You. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So it's that's what I've been up to. I've been doing that, and then I played. What did I play? I was playing Raft with James a while ago, but that's we've gotten to the point where we can't play until the next chapter comes out. Kelly wanted to keep playing it, but because she simply just wanted to build up on our raft. <laughs> And just build it out and make it this monstrosity like a yacht kind of yeah You're and i was just like, like she was like we need spinning rims kelly kelly i love kelly to death but what she does is she gets super into the farming aspects of all these games yeah which is great because i could care less about it <laughs> james and i are like what are the what's how, what's the end game on the technological uh, the technology uh tree how do we get there like what's the most advanced things we can build kelly's like well, we need to do the basic stuff first, like being able to eat. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's how I would be. She handles make it look pretty. Yeah, she makes it look pretty and handles it and tells us, hey, this looks dumb right here, guys. We need to move things around. So <laughs> luckily, she's there to kind of curtail our over spontaneity. Yeah, spontaneity, our over enthusiastic uh, adventurousness. Yeah, impulsiveness. That's definitely a good word for it. So she's she's definitely there to curtail that a little bit, but. 
but yeah, so I, I think it's uh, it's going to be fun once they get the next chapter out. But talking about something that I, I, I really love, um, also in the vein of Harry Potter, I actually just read the... The, the Cursed Child. The, yeah, right? Harry Potter and the, the Cursed Child, which I severely... I know she probably won't do it because it's a stage play, but if they ever decide when they want to make like a, a, a sequel movie... This that would be it. That would be phenomenal because it's oh, about like it. it's about Harry Potter, one of Harry Potter's kids, and one of uh, and Draco Malfoy's boy. So mm-hmm. it's 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 very good. I heard you because you were doing that as audiobooks, so I heard like yeah. snippets of it, and it sounded really interesting. But I didn't like. I tried <laughs> to stop paying attention because then I thought, okay, like now I'm dissecting what's happening, and I want to read it myself and give it justice. No, it's on my to-do list. No, I understand completely. And like I said, I think I have the audiobook somewhere, and I'm sure you could listen to it on your own. Yeah, I'll get it for you. So, but anyway, like to read, I want to read. You're much more visual, and I'm more mm-hmm. auditory. So, I it's... like listening to music, not books. <laughs> no offense, audiobooks are great. Okay. Glad they exist. Speaking of books that I know you've read, like you said earlier, tons of times, uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is a fantasy novel written by British author J.K. Rowling and is the second novel in the Harry Potter series. The plot follows Harry's second year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Wizardry, wow. Wizardry. Wizardry. Uh, during, which, during which a series of messages on the wall of the school's corridors warn that the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, and that the heir of Slytherin would kill all pupils who do not come from all magical families. Purebloods. The, these threats are found... After attacks that leave students of the school petrified throughout the year, Harry and his friends, Ron and Hermione, investigate the attacks. Mm-hmm. That is a brief synopsis of the book. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't want to go too like ruin the whole thing because I'm sure most of our reader, our listeners have read this. But it's one of those books that just kind of it was a triumphant. I thought it was a very good sequel to an already uh, popular uh, first novel. What do mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, I agree. I think from reading the books, it's pretty evident that the sequels were not afterthoughts. Like you could tell that Rowling had this grandiose plan. Like she had everything linked together and you can see that. So um, I guess I feel this more with with movies where like the sequels to movies can be really weak. And books, I suppose. Well, a lot of the books I've read, yeah, it does seem like books are much stronger medium for that for sequels. And I think this is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to see her fleshing out the world that she's built. Oh, absolutely. And especially like, well, and she even sets it up in the first one. Like you go to Hogwarts when you're 11 and you stay there for seven years. And so we're like, okay, this is year two. So yep. we know there's going to be like seven of these. Um, I don't know. I well, love and it. you see I that you kind good. of see that trope now that she set it up. You didn't really mm-hmm. see it as much in other books, but mm-hmm. they have like year one, year two, year three. Like they do this, you know, basically what you call them. I call them Harry Potter knockoffs. Oh, I'm sure. All and, over the place yeah. because they're like, oh, this is an easy thing for us to do. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's set this up. It's, you know, it's it's good to set up a series type thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it's is she definitely like you said, she definitely had a plan after from what I remember reading some of the interviews I read, she, she initially thought that she wanted to do a minimum of four books. 
okay? And once she got into the second book, after like after the first book was such a commercial success, mm-hmm. she's like, I have to do this justice. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to do the full seven years. Yeah, and really flesh it out. Flesh it out all mm-hmm. the way. And the publishers are like, cool, going to make us money if you want to write as much as you want. You know, did, let's make some money. You know, that's that's how they were down with it. So, <laughs> um, so the book was published in the United Kingdom on July 2nd, 1998 by Bloomsbury and later in the United States on June, uh, June 2nd and 99 by Scholastic Inc. So Scholastic Inc., I believe, has all the publishing rights for the Harry Potter stuff. I'm pretty sure they do just from, well... Yeah, just looking like at the, my old books that I have, like all oh, of yeah. them say Scholastic on them. Well, that's where you first saw these at were in a lot of these Scholastic book fairs that we have here. And if you guys are not familiar with some of the stuff that uh, the Scholastic book fairs in the United States, they were very big. I don't know if they still do them or not in schools or not, but mm, it's it's it's, it's one question. of those. It was basically like bringing a, a bookstore that were geared was geared towards children to your school, and mm-hmm. I think they got some of the pro, the school would get some of the proceeds, or I don't remember if it was just like they paid them a one time fee to set up in the school or whatever it was. Who knows I what it was? Know. But I think it was very mutually beneficial for both schools because I remember there was always like two, at least two or three of them a year. From what yeah, I remember, well, and I remember getting so excited, and they would take us down. Um, this is elementary slash like middle school. Yeah. They would take us K through eight. Yeah. They would take us down to the book fair. Um, like the in school, like whenever we had a break, I guess they'd take us down so we could look at it. And then I think they also had them open sometimes like after church. Cause I yeah. remember we'd go over and they'd always see have it in the old, um, what was it? Maria room. The Maria room. Yeah. yeah. I love that place, man. A lot of good memories. That's uh, that was my that was my first introduction to Spanish. Yeah, in that, that was room. My, where my Spanish class. I'm, pr- was, I'm pretty too. sure she wanted to kill me. That teacher. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway. Well, thank God I wasn't in that class to witness that. Now but, you know. Yeah, book fairs. I I teach at a high school, so I don't know. We don't do that sort of thing, but the elementaries might. I don't know. The, those kids scare me, so I don't really talk. <laughs> To them or the small to the little snot nosed children. Yeah, I mean they're cute, but I don't. Even though we're gonna have them. a couple of those in a few years, so yeah. Well, it's it's a little bit easier when it's your own it's, child. It's different when you're. Yeah. Yeah, that's why my stay-at-home mom running my own daycare thing failed because I thought, you know, I can like take all these kids in and teach them Spanish, and then I realized I don't really like other kids. I just like my kids. Oh yeah. So no, it's oops. it's true. I I I. I think I enjoy the vast majority of children because you can kind of interact with them and connect with them quite a bit. But it's mm-hmm. one of those things. It's it's trying to find that balance of like, you know, can I find something that will connect with these kids? And it, it, it's a lot. It's pretty hard to do that with some kids. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, and sometimes you're afraid you're going to scare them. You know, that's that's <laughs> definitely how I feel sometimes because they don't know you. A lot of kids, you know, they have that, you know, stranger danger kind of thing. But but speaking speaking of frightening children, yeah, I was gonna say sorry. We'll no, no, it's okay. Speaking tangent. of no, no. Speaking of frightening children, that was actually one of the biggest issues in uh, with that cri- with with critics that mm-hmm. critics have with this book because in this book there are actually legitimate. I believe does nobody dies in this book, but um, once you get people down, have already died. Like yeah, people um, have, moaning Myrtle. They talk about that. Yeah, they talk about like death and that died. how she died. Yeah. They actually killed two people. Was it two people or just Moaning Myrtle? I can't remember. Um, 
I think it was just mm-hmm. Moaning Myrtle. I think it was just Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. Because she gets stuck. She's stuck in the toilet, which is where you find out where the chamber is and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But they said the one of the biggest issues with this was that critics had with it was they thought it was too scary for, you know, children. Mm-hmm. Because once you get into like the kind of showdown scene at the very end with the air of Slytherin, which I'm not going to ruin who that is. But I'm sure if you read this, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's been out for almost over a decade or over almost two decades yeah. now at this point. So if... Uh, if, if if once you find out that you know who who he's battling and whatnot, it's a very scary scene. And I remember kind of like they did it very good. They did it excellent justice in the movie um, mm-hmm. about how scary it was and how kind of you know creepy setting it was. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. But as a whole, I think the book is more than just that. And it's good because you have to kind of introduce that stuff. You can't be all just like happy go lucky kind of stuff. Like you know we're gonna have fun fun adventures harry and hermione and ron you gotta you gotta these kids are starting to grow up a little bit and they you have to introduce something that's a little a little frightening for them right Mm -hmm. yeah well and it i mean compared to the like once you get to the fourth book i think it gets real and then it gets like much darker from there but it's kind of like dipping dipping your feet in and maturing i think rowling does a good job with these books of like gradually upping the ante, so to speak, like mm-hmm. the maturity level. You can see the first one oh, yeah. has, I mean, they all have some dramatic and scary moments, but it gets more and more intense and it matures with the kids. Like by the fifth book, especially, I remember being very angsty and depressing <laughs> and the sixth one kind of, but it was the fifth one was like, oh my gosh, like just to like get through this. Ugh. But it makes sense. He's a 15 year old boy. And so yeah. I feel like she does a good job matching the age of kind Harry of channeling that a little his, bit. Yeah, his classmates. So this one, yeah, it's like dipping your feet in. And I was reading that. I feel like the same issues were found with all the books because we had people yeah. at our school. We went to a Catholic school yeah. so that like I remember well, there know. were a few parents that flipped out and were like, don't you can't have Harry Potter in the library. That's awful. I feel like we might have mentioned we, this we mentioned that before and, and they did it again yeah. with all of them. But it's yeah, it's, just the whole idea of magic. I, and I kind of have the ideas. It's like if you understand that it's a it's a fairy tale land world. That it's a fairy tale world and that it's not if you're and it's fiction, you know, and if your children understand that you know, you're not going to have problems with that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people is like, if you can't trust your children to read something and understand that it's fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. what are you, what are you going to do after they get turn 18? You know, it's like, it'd be different than, you know, if you're giving your kid a clockwork orange or something at like eight years old. Wow. I feel like there, there is a, there are varying degrees. Yeah. There's an obvious thing of where, okay, that's appropriate. That's not. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. It's just kind of the understanding. It's just like you know, what is appropriate for my child, and you know, wh- what will I allow them to do? Like, and I'm wholeheartedly once once Lewis and and Marcy um, get old enough, and they and they see these on the shelf, and they ask, you know, hey, can I read this, or can you help me read this with me? I'm totally like, if they're old enough, like probably if he's like set eight or nine, maybe you know, maybe ten even. If he wants to read this, I'll I'll sit down and read it with him, kind of like my mom used to do with me with like mm-hmm. Redwall. 
um, which was one of actually some of the greatest times in my life, which she would, I vividly remember this is, this is digging down real fast. Um, we would actually, she, we would sit down and we'd read like a couple chapters a night together, like me, my mom, and I'm sorry, my mom, my sister, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll use correct, you know, grammar there. Don't, don't ding me for points on that, Jackie. And then the nights that my mom would have to either work or she was gone doing something, we actually uh, recorded our voices. We would read it out loud and mom would re-listen to it. <laughs> or maybe she said she listened to it. <laughs> I don't know what she did, but I'm pretty sure there's a tape somewhere with my voice on it and Rachel's voice on it. And we were, we reading would read it. We were reading the book out loud. That's awesome. Yeah. And I remember we, I was young. I was like, eight or eight or nine and i was reading Redwall, and that definitely had violence in it mm-hmm. so yeah, but yeah it's, it's just trying to figure out exactly like you said trying to figure out what your kids are ready for mm-hmm. um and i think these are gonna these are great you know coming of age books mm-hmm. like this is a great oh, yeah. series for kids to get into once they kind of start hitting that preteen, you know upper adolescent age and the hero's journey and such like oh yeah i feel like it's and I don't know. I think they're very accessible too. Absolutely. And yeah, and, and those are, there's a lot of those themes throughout the whole series, which I think would be an amazing thing. And they do a very good job of like adapting that into the film even. And you see that, especially with, uh, as Harry, you know, grows up at the Dursleys and he also kind of figures out once he like interacts with Ron, because that's the whole point of Ron even though Ron may not be the bravest or the strongest or the smartest, he's got like the most heart out of all. He's he does. like, he's the heart of the group. And he really, you really get that. Like whenever you go to his well, the first time you meet his family, which is actually this book. Yeah. Which is his book. Yeah. Because right. Because this is where, yeah. and you meet, you meet Mr. Weasley, uh, Mrs. Weasley, the twins, even you, you meet, you meet the twins in the first book, but you meet them even more in yeah. this book. You meet Ginny for the first time in this book, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, met, she's in the first one, but it's just like, it's like a real little redheaded be- girl yeah. waving goodbye and looking at Harry. Yeah, it's at, like it's right, like, right at the beginning of the book. Yeah. When he's going to the platform nine and three quarters. And this one, you actually get to meet her. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, yeah, because she's coming to Hogwarts as like a first year. Yeah, which she actually is part of one of the integral parts of this yeah, book. Yeah, she's so. like a big part oh yeah um, so and, and you you start to notice all these all these different themes that they start to throw in there and they i think they do a very good job of like i said adapting it into the movie and you see it but i think the book does obviously like all you know yeah i uh, pretty much always prefer the book yeah, written material except for Howl's moving castle <laughs> only exception i think i've mentioned that before it definitely it definitely does it a disservice to it but um let me ask you this so obviously uh, you enjoy the written stuff. Are there any favorite quotes you have? Because I have a ton of quotes on here. Yeah, I kind of skimmed those. I didn't I realize, love. I think I might have said this quote for our podcast on the Sorcerer's Stone, but my favorite quote of all time from the Harry Potter um, series, and mm-hmm. I want to look it up again to make That's sure I'm okay. doing it justice. Do you want me to do a couple of mine before you do that, or are you looking no, it up right now? No, I got it. It's the first one you pick because oh, it's there what... It is. Albus says to Harry, it is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. I just feel like that's a very good thing to live by because this is yep. where I really thought, yeah, I don't know why I thought this was the first one. 
Oh, I was thinking of the mirror of Erised, and it was a different quote. But anyway, <laughs> this is where um, Harry starts having some kind of connections to Slytherin and like yep. to the Dark Lord. It's like a touch of it. And he's yep. kind of like, he keeps remembering back to, well, the sorting hat said I would have done really well in well, Slytherin. He starts and speaking Parseltongue, right? Yeah, exactly. And so he's just getting like really doubting himself and thinking like, oh my gosh. But I love how Albus says that. And I think that's a wonderful advice to live by. Like it's your choices. It's not what you can do. It's what you choose yeah. to do. Yeah. And that that's my favorite of all time. And by like, that, I, think that's I mean, a good life quote. technically, you know, uh, Voldemort or Tom Riddle, he could have been one of the mo- the bravest, you know, most intelligent, smartest wizards out there. Yeah, but he chose to very, go very diff- dark things. a very, very different path, which you find we will talk about in later episodes of foreshadowing, <laughs> if you would. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yes, but um, do you want any more quotes or do you want me to read some out for you? How about, um, how about you read one more? I'll, I'll read the second one you put just because uh, it's beautiful. It, I mean, it's just ridiculous, but Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd just been thinking if you had died, you'd have been welcome to share my toilet. <laughs> she is the actress they pick in the film. Perfect. She was spot on. And I love how she's always like looking at Harry and batting her eyes. And especially when <laughs> the fourth one, he's taking the bath and with it's all like the bubbles yeah. to try and figure out that one clue with the egg. And she's like, oh, the bubbles are almost all gone. And you're just like, uh. <laughs> that one gets like, whoa, now. Like, Moni Myrtle's a little pervert risque. there. A little, yeah, a little bit on the pervert uh, side there. But that's. Yeah, so Moaning so, Myrtle's great. I'm glad she she makes her appearance here, and it's beautiful. So I have a couple more um, yeah, that ahead. I definitely want to say. So this was at towards the end of the book. Um, uh, Mrs. This is Mrs. We. This is an interaction between Mrs. Weasley, her children, and then uh, and I believe Harry. I believe that's what it was. Um, no, no, she does that later on. So okay, he goes, Jenny. Said Mrs. We said Mr. Weasley, flabbergasted. Is it Mr. Or it's, it's Mr. Weasley. I, I apologize. feel like in the book, it's Mr. It's Weasley. Mr. But in the movie, I'm pretty sure it's the mom Mrs. says that. Yeah, she does all that. Yeah, I so, feel like. So let me start again. You know, Jenny said Mr. Weasley, flabbergasted. Haven't I told you anything? What have I always told you? Never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. And that's just like, that's Mr. Weasley to a mm-hmm. T. It's just like, there's a couple other ones I want to do about him. He, so this is another one. This is like at, right after he meets Harry. So after they, they Shanghai Harry away from the Dursleys oh, and they kind of I get him in the there. One you're gonna and so he looks, and this is, I remember this vividly. He, he uh, listened to the audiobook. It, it has, Mr. Weasley like leans down and he, he looks at Harry and he goes, what exactly is the function of a rubber ducky? <laughs> it's just like what it's like this man has this insane he's obsessed with muggle mu- stuff muggle like stuff. it's really funny yeah. he just thinks it's fascinating and i will say the actor is spot on like oh i love him so fun fact i believe he is i don't know if he's in narnia one of the first no he's not in this the bbc the bbc versions or narnia i think he's that's a different no, guy I think I'm I'm thinking of some him and something else so but he does a lot of BBC stuff and he's an excellent actor. It's kind of like the guy that Stardust. He was the goat that got turned into a man. 
and he, he jumps up on really the counter. Good, yeah, I'm and like, what is the that? unicorn? <laughs> Headbutts it. Well, it's kind of like Uncle Dursley. He plays oh, uh, Vernon. Vernon Dursley, uh, Uncle Dursley. He plays the King of England in Pirates Four. LA? I think, yeah. Oh, I'll, wow. oh yeah. see, I didn't like. I don't remember. It's such a dumb movie. That's the only much. thing I remember about him. He's in there, and I love him as an actor. He's just so rotund, but he's he's very yeah, he's a very good he, actor he though. Is. So um, one more. Uh, what is it at? Doop 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 doop. I have to find. It. Oh, this one is from uh, Albus Dumbledore, and this is towards the end there. Uh, it was. And I must draft an advertisement for the Daily Prophet, too, he added thoughtfully. We'll be needing a new defense against the dark <laughs> arts teacher. Dear me, we do seem to run through them, don't we? That I love that. <laughs> and that reminds me that in this book, you get to meet Gilderoy Lockhart, the famed yeah. Galan. Sorry, that's Spanish. I'm trying to think of the best translation for that. It's like a good looking hunk of a guy. Except he's got no, he's got a nothing gallant, going, n- nothing going on in, in between his ears. No, and I think th- this is one thing, for better or worse. I feel like I mentioned this too with our first podcast that I really do love the movies, and I remember the debate of should you turn these books into movies because if it's just a book, you can visualize things however you want. Once the movie's there, that kind of cements in your brain of how the characters all look and how things look, and I feel like for better or worse, I do visualize all the characters as from the movie. Mm-hmm. Most, most every single one, except for Remus Lupin. I did not like their casting choice there, but that's another note um, for the third podcast. You, you, didn't, you didn't like Remus? No, I just don't. That, that actor is, it's not how I pictured him in my head, but anyway, okay. Kenneth Brinog is perfect. He does <laughs> such a good job. And I, maybe I don't know this for a fact, so I don't want to like, Raz on him too much, but I think he as a person too is kind of full of himself. Oh, absolutely. Maybe like a whole lot. And you get that. Like he does such a good job in the book, <laughs> in the movie of portraying Gilderoy Lockhart. And like, oh, talking about that. strange casting so choices. Funny. Did you know that whenever the series was first getting spun up, that uh, Robert Williams actually yes, petitioned. Yes, I was actually going to mention that. And Rosie O'Donnell. And Rosie O'Donnell. They wanted, he, he petitioned, he wanted, he to, wanted be to be Hagrid. Hagrid and sh- J.K. Rowling was basically like, she had a strict British only. British or UK. They yeah. have to be actors yeah. from Britain or the UK. Yeah, and, to be to be in the film. And I was like, that's a, that's a yeah, bold stance. Yeah, I think stance. he contacted them. Robin yeah. Williams and Rosie O'Donnell wanted to be Molly Weasley. Yeah, which but that, oh. Yeah, well, they <laughs> they both, like, contacted them, maybe even called them, and they were like, please, like, I really want to mm-hmm. do it. And they were like, no. I'm, I'm glad she put her foot down because I like Robin Williams a whole lot, but... I think he would have brought way too much energy. Yeah. But he can, he can do... He, well, he could do... Both those sides, he could do a very mm-hmm. serious, you know. Yeah, you know, very talented actor. Very talented but guy, yeah. The but... guy, what is his name? I can see it if I think hard enough. Let me look it up real quick. The actor's so... name. No, it's okay. So he, he actually does to a... visualize the credits. Uh, his name is amazing. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane. Coltrane. He is amazing. Yeah. He does, he's like the perfect Hagrid. He really did. He really did a good job. They actually, he was, he's actually not a very tall guy. And they actually had to get a stump double guy that's... Mm-hmm. 
twice as big as everybody else, but it was literally yeah. yeah. But it, it did a lot of did a lot of back background back uh, behind the the behind behind him shots where the guy was standing up and Coltrane had a lot of like camera angles and stuff like that. They do a lot of really cool things in the films. But anyways, besides getting sidetracked though, but but yeah, that was kind of bizarre. But they do a really good job about picking most of the time. You know. Mm-hmm. Sanger, you know, Remus Lupin, <laughs> Remus. Remus Lupin choice. But I mean, they do things like later on, they get, uh, I know we're digressing quite a bit, you know, they, they get Gary Oldman as, mm-hmm. as Sirius Black. Black. He's very good. They get, um, oh, who's Beltrix? She Lestrange. is Lestrange. That was Tim um, Burton's wife, wife for a while. Uh, yeah. Oh, Helena Bottom Carter. Carter, yeah, they do. She's s- very good because she. Yeah creepy like she does a good job being very disturbing with that role oh absolutely and they do and fanatic yeah they do such a great job at picking out the right people for those you know Mm -hmm. those 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 uh, characters to portray Mm -hmm. them in the in these films absolutely so but let's let's do this without going super deep into all of the what happens what happens (laughs) in the book let me hear can you give me your top three favorite moments in the book i know i'm throwing out there for you you okay can you do three for me um one of them Mm -hmm. would be when they have one of their first lessons was with gilderoy lockhart and he brings in the pixies (laughs) that would be probably that's definitely one of my favorite moments because he's like he just lets them loose and in the classroom and the kids are all like Oh my gosh. And he hasn't taught them anything. He just says like these little creatures and he thinks they're, you know, they're just little pixies. They'll be easy to, you know, corral corral and that doesn't happen. And he's, he runs out of the classroom and I don't remember if it exactly happened the same as in in the book, but in the film, he leaves Hermione, Ron and Harry alone and everybody else has run out of the room screaming yeah. And then he's like leaving and he just says to them, well, I'll, I'll leave you three to nip them back into their cages and like closes the door and runs <laughs> off. So just like to see what an imbecile he is. Yeah. And it kind of ties in with the fact that they can't keep a defense against the dark arts teacher. And they're like the only person who would take the job is an idiot. And so <laughs> like he's written all these books about the wonderful it's things the he's done. epitome of uh, uh, fail fail until you succeed kind of guy he just kind of like fails up almost because he's never really done anything in his life he's only never t- he's always taken everybody else's like ideas yeah, and made him his he, own all he can do the only thing he's good at are like um, memory curses or yep. like forgetfulness curses yep. you, find out, you, you find out later on the book mm. yeah so that's your first one let me do my first one because yeah, i'll give you a little turns. give you a little time to, to think about think. something because i know I, I kind of threw that at you out of nowhere Man, so there's a lot i'm good at that well, aren't like, i just throwing you curveballs yeah, and you're just like much. she's like why isn't this in the outline why but um my uh number one choice is actually the um uh first part in the book whenever uh, the Weasleys rescue Harry Potter. I know it's kind of cliche, like at the very beginning. Oh, that's a good one. Too. But I, I love that, that part in there that the, they, they, he goes to that the Dursleys have put bars on his windows <laughs> because he 
basically inflates Aunt what's her name? No, you're thinking of the third book. This is oh, the no. one where with the cake where Dobby. Oh, it's right. He squishes. Yeah, Dobby. Well, Dobby's trying to warn him. Dobby's yeah. like, you must. She try, slams go the back cake to yeah. Hogwarts, Harry Potter, and he gets in trouble for it. And they, exactly. He they drops the cake on they install, Vernon's boss's wife. Yeah, and they install the the bar windows on the bars, and they put a little flap on his door so they can push food through. Uh huh. It's. <laughs> and he went, I'm like, who it's does ludicrous. this? Yeah. <laughs> so it's amazing. And whenever the Ron and the twins, uh, friend George Springham, I'm like, this is, this is phenomenal. Like true. You know, these guys are like best buds mm-hmm. with the flying car. When the flying car shows up and they, they break him out. It's just like, you know, that they're going to be friends and, you know, no matter through thick and thin, no matter what at this point, because the fact that he's, they're willing to break him out of jail essentially it's 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 just great so that's one of my favorite that's why that's actually my favorite part in the whole book so mm-hmm. because it really solidifies their friendship in my opinion that's like so. yeah that is a very good part um second i really it's sad but i like when hermione gets petrified because it's very dramatic because yep. it's been like leading up to the, you know, different people getting petrified. Mm-hmm. There's that little boy, Colin, that, you know, saw the Colin Creevy. Yes. Through his camera. Yep. Um, it was Hermione and. I thought there was another boy with another girl. They see, they look in the puddle. They mm-hmm. see him in the puddle. I don't think it's Colin. It was somebody else. That The first one yeah. was the, it was the first victim. It wasn't Colin Creevy because Colin Creevy was the second one. And Hermione's the third one. No, Hermione. There's um, Mrs. Norris is one of them, and there's Maybe that's who I was um, of. nearly headless Nick is one of them, and I think there's a female student who is. It's one of the girls on the Quidditch team because she sees the thing through nearly headless Nick. Oh, that's what I was and thinking of. I was thinking water. I would have to. Yeah, Hermione's the last one because yeah. she's. That's the pivotal moment. She uses a mirror. Yes, she had a mirror and she was like looking behind corners um, because she suspected what it was. She figured it out. And so when she like gets petrified, Ron and Harry are devastated and people were suspecting Harry of it. But then when she gets petrified, they're like, oh, that's like, I guess that's not Harry. That's his, you know, that's his best friend. But that that kind of steals them. Like S T E E L S, like <laughs> yeah, the, like metal, like it, it gets Ron and Harry like we gotta figure this out. Like it makes it real dramatic. Of we need to, like figure so I, out what's I a, happening. I have a good quote about that. It goes, in lieu of uh, Hermione getting petrified, uh, Ron asks, uh, Harry asks, but but why has she got to the, go to the library? And then Ron replies, because that's what Hermione does, says Ron, shrugging. When in doubt, go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I was like, this is, fun. that's phenomenal. So yeah, that, that, that really I does, feel. that does steal them as a group because they have something at stake now because in the first book, it's, it's, they're very much kind of, you know, they do have to sacrifice Ron. You think he gets hurt or whatever, but he's fine when, when, during the chess set. But in the second book, it's like, they don't know if they're going to be able to heal Hermione or not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we have to figure this out to save our friend. You know, it, it's much more, a little bit more is at stake, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot you were more saying, dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So and the, the film does good. a good job, too, of making it like when they turn the corner and that's 
Or I think maybe Professor McGonagall like brings them and she's, you know, shows them in the infirmary who it is. And they're just like, she's like, I'm very sorry. And Harry and Ron are really like devastated. They're just, yeah, just absolutely devastated. But I think, so moving on to my second position or my second spot for favorite moments, I really like the point where Harry gets the diary for the first time. And he actually goes, oh. kind of meets Tom Riddle, and he kind of Tom Riddle basically plays that game with him a little bit, mm-hmm. and tries to show him. And he he sees Hagrid when he's a kid, oh. and Hagrid kind of gets and you, Aragog, and, Garrick, and you meet Aragog, and that kind of sets them in That's a way. A good one. I really enjoyed that one because it was, it kind of sets things up to kind of show you that like, hey, you know, by this time, even though. Tom Riddle is still a he's a teenager at this point. He's freaking evil. He's willing he is like a straight up Slytherin. Very manipulative. Very much so. Like he's very much about ambition and power and going after mm-hmm. whoever whatever he can do to try and just you know take over take over and get whatever power he can. And it's kind of sad that he kind of ruins Hagrid's life in the process. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of shows that Hagrid has a huge heart to try to, you know, help whoever or whatever needs help yeah, mostly well, animals he, yeah so. that he loves animals and Hagrid's Very like much it so. wasn't Aragog he wouldn't do it yeah so hurt a fly. I, I really like that because because like you like we were saying earlier and this is one of those big themes that's in the book you know or, or that the way the second book it just really expands the characters mm-hmm. even more because it's like the first book it just like hey i'm gonna go i'm gonna dip my toe in this world and this one you're basically starting to wade into the into the waters mm-hmm. quite a bit and you're really learning about all these characters and you're learning a lot more of their backstory because you mm-hmm. know you don't know anything about haggard other than he's not supposed to use magic that's yeah. all you know and he's the groundskeeper in the first I think book. he mentions in the first one he was kicked out of hogwarts but kicked, there's no details yeah no details whatsoever other than you as you figure that the pieces of his wand are in his umbrella. You figure that out. Yeah. And, but that's about it. That's about and it. Then but he's huge. Yeah, he's humongous. But you learn more about that in the mm-hmm. next books. So Yeah, in the upcoming ones. And what is your final Third pick? Note. Um well there's a lot of good ones, but this is kind of funny. My third one would be at the end mm-hmm. after they figured everything out. And um I think they're in they're in Diagon Alley and mm-hmm. Harry is with the Weasleys and he confronts Lucius Malfoy and Lucius is there and Dobby's with him and Harry hands him the diary and he's Stole mine. like I'm about to think of a different one now. <laughs> that was what you're yeah, gonna say. Go ahead though. Go ahead. I'll think of something else. Like, I think you dropped this and you know, I think this belongs to you. Or did he no, no, the diary is all damaged. So and what destroyed. he does, yeah, he, he basically puts a sock or inside in the book. book, and he hands it to Lucius. And I guess it's not the, it's not the diary that he gives him because the diary has been destroyed with the snake. No, 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 right? no, no. It's it's the diary, it the diary because Lucius says that's not mine. He goes because you oh. gave it to us in Diagon Alley, and that's where you gave it to us. And so he tries to yeah, give it back to okay. him, like I think you dropped this kind of yada yada and yada he, thing. He takes it and then just flings it at Dobby and his, or he, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it just gives it to Dobby and is like, take this. And then Dobby opens it up yeah. and it's like, there's a sock in there. And if you give a house elf an article Anything, of clothing, yeah. an article of clothing, then they're freed. And then Dobby is like, Master has given Dobby clothes. 
Dobby is so free. free. And Lucius like yeah, loses free. his mind and is like, you lost me, my servant. And, he's and all he pissed starts off, to yeah. like try and attack Harry and Dobby's like, you shall not harm Harry Potter. And he just jacks and him up and you start. Magic. And you notice how strong you find out how, how strong are actually, are, actually like, are. Really but whatever. If for whatever reason, they're just like they just want to be servants a little bit. Or I don't know if they want to be servants, but they like they like to do work, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if it's like ingrained in them, but it's very strange kind of thing, which we can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, they kind of like bring that in slowly of like the other magical creatures and almost ideas yeah. of like racism that, you know, how these yeah. these different races are treated. They're almost uh, kind of like second class citizens because you yeah. learn that you kind of get that in that, later books, especially with like the centaurs, because yeah, you learn that with the like gnomes with, that way, the centaurs, yeah, friends the and the elves. And then even like green, the goblins and green gods, they're they're, they're they don't, like they're they not, serve a purpose, they, but the wizards don't really like them. Or yeah, they, they know why they're there. They unless did, they have to. Yeah, it's only because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the 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 part that i like the most in these in i guess now that you since you took away my my third one i, I will <laughs> use my that's funny we had the same one. my runner up Ooh. will be the part wherever uh harry doesn't know what he needs to do to try to fight the basilisk and um the fa- uh forks the phoenix comes flying in a fox oh fox fox the phoenix comes i always call him forks it's fox the fox sorry F-A-W-K-E-S. Fox. so fox the phoenix comes flying in and he starts attacking the uh serpent and basically blinds, bl- blinds him so he can't hurt him and then that's when harry reaches inside the sorting hat because he, he drops off the sorting hat and he reaches in and he pulls out he the, sword the sword of godric griffiner gryffindor and you learn out later that uh, only a true Gryffindor can pull that can out. pull that out, can call it for this time of need, and it's really cool. And you end up finding it later on, mm-hmm. later on down the line, and a couple other books. But it's really cool that he that, yeah. he 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 pulls that out, and that's kind of one of those, huh? So Harry's like, it kind of solidifies him as saying, "Hey, you're supposed to be in this house for a reason." Mm-hmm. this is where you're speaking this is who yeah. you truly are you know this is the kind of person you need you're going to be mm. because he throughout the whole book he has that bit in the back of his head he's so was i supposed to be in slytherin am i an awful person mm-hmm. and i really like that she kind of go revisits that in harry potter and the cursed child which we can talk about that in the, in the mm-hmm. future because well, I have yeah. to read it. First, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's she revisits that a little bit. It's the not idea with of your choices. It's not with Harry. It's with one of one of his kids. One of his mm. kids gets put in Slytherin, and it's it's very interesting to say the least. Is it Albus Severus? Albus Severus Potter. Yeah, he gets put in Slytherin, and it's it's very interesting to learn about. So well, and that's interesting because I thought, from my understanding, the House of Slytherin was just like dead like they were disbanded it after no. the seventh book no they kept apparently she, she keeps it around huh. so well. they keep it around because technically even though he's a total kind of even even though salazar slithen is like a total douche nozzle and he's kind of a racist you know but <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of hitler like he's just like a little bit like hitler so not, <laughs> not really like he didn't kill a bunch of people he just didn't he believed he's like, in the whole like he's like the racist race old drunk grandpa that comes to a cup to like your christmas party oh, and after he's had a few he definitely starts spouting off like and you're just like slight white white nationalist stuff 
and you're just like, oh, Good God, Lord. God help us. That's a really interesting juxtaposition to think about Salazar yeah. Slytherin and like a wife beater <laughs> sitting on his porch in a lawn chair. Oh. He's just like cursing at everybody in parcel tongue. Yeah, as they walk by and like complaining about people moving in the neighborhood. He's like, I'm gonna be a sovereign citizen and go move out. In the right. Don't tread don't tread on me, Jackie. He's got a snake on his flag. I need to I feel bad. We I, I know people like that. I'm yeah. just let it go. This this is rural Missouri. This yeah. is what happened. This is what you see, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't think people quite understand until you live around it. And like I teach, I teach some students who that's yeah, when you live in a deep red state. I'm going to stop talking about. It. I need well, to stop talking that's about. Okay. It it's just you get these. It's oh funny when most people around here they're moderate Republicans. I get that, and then you get those people like it's on both sides. The outliers. You get the outliers. Always the outliers. We it's, got the conservative outliers. We definitely have those here, and they they're they're little, they can be scary. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Salazar Slytherin is scary. Very much um, so, but uh, but yeah. So moving on from political <laughs> debates because that's you know what people come here for. But yeah, that's that was my those are the top three spots that we 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 really our top three moments that we enjoy in there. What do you um? How do you feel the movie does on adapting? I know we've talked about this a little bit already. How do you feel like the movie does it in adapting it? The book. So. It, I will say, preface, that it's been a very long time since I've read all the books. You can check them um, all out now on the Harry Potter series on HBO Max. Great. And there I know go. we rewatched all the movies yep. probably two years ago. Yeah. And um, from my memory, You got into one of your moods and you're like, I want to watch the watch Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> the first and the second films were pretty darn accurate to the books. Mm-hmm. And minimal changes if any were made the biggest change i remember from well all of the books is that they took out oh what's his face peeves the poltergeist yeah like he's just gone and i kind of understand why in the film they did that um to just be another it's thing just, to explain yeah. and another thing yeah a plot point that's not exactly needed but helpful um this one Again, like I mentioned, Kenneth Brinog is spot on. Yep. I think the actors do a very good job. And this first and second movie are directed by Christopher Columbus, who did Home Alone. And um, <laughs> pardon, <laughs> Marcy. Marcy. She's she's kind of moving around a little bit, ready to wake up. But it's okay. um, I like Christopher Columbus's style. Mm-hmm. Though I will say, the third film, I love what is the name it's a mexican director and i can't remember his name but i really does, really like the do third the, film. does he just do the third one yes okay. and then i don't remember who they got for the others but it, yeah. it was different people and yeah. also the first two are the only ones that richard harris is in as dumbledore yeah. and he does a very good job very sad, but the, the guy that the guy that replaces him is awesome though. Like job, I yeah. love him. I think he does a wonderful job Let's too and makes him more quirky. This yeah. first Albus is almost more like like he's he's very mildly humorous, but you don't yeah. get the quirkiness as yeah. much. He's just kind of well, standoffish he's much, and alone. from what I've gathered, I think he's like a decade older than the guy that replaces mm-hmm. him. And I so. think he I kind of think he was dying too yeah. already. Like he was sick and you can kind of feel that. Um yeah. but the effects are good. 
Harry is wonderful. You know, the three main characters do a great what would, job. What would you give it out of, out of 10? Out of 10 stars. Yeah. Uh, eight. Eight. Eight or nine. I'd give it a seven, probably. Maybe seven and a half. I'm a little critical. I am a little critical. Because I, I do enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but I don't like it. Never did not. I never liked it as much as the movie or as the book. Can I say that? Well, yeah. Yeah. I so, feel like all of them would be yeah. at the most a nine for me because the book for me is always better oh, with absolutely. these ones. I think yeah. the book is great. Yeah. Um, but that's just that's just me, though. But they did a good job. I liked it. Well, let's move on to a couple other things before Marcy wakes up. So themes uh, in within the film or within the book. Um, what are some major fit themes that you see? I, I mean, we've talked, we've kind we've of ta- already talked about, talked about the one about quite about a few of them because choices, that absolutely. to me is a big one of it's not your abilities, but your choices that define you mm-hmm. and the whole idea of Harry being in Slytherin versus Gryffindor. He chose Gryffindor, yep. even though he had all the abilities to let him succeed in Slytherin. Mm-hmm. He chose to be in Gryffindor choices as in like Hagrid. He chose to try to protect, uh, you know, his, his pet. his pet and he didn't tell anybody but like he just took it he just took the rap is what he did mm-hmm. yeah and he even didn't though t- he told i don't know choices too <laughs> with tom because tom yeah. of course paints himself and you see this very well done in the movie yeah but paints, the himself, he paints as himself, himself as the savior and he's like he he confronts hagrid but it's yeah. like Hagrid, it has to go. This is not right. And almost being like the mature adult of even mm-hmm. though he's a you know still a kid in that. Yeah, this would be kind of early on in his sinister career as mm-hmm. becoming Lord Voldemort. Exactly. And and starting to make those choices on, hey, I'm gonna crush whoever gets in my way. Mm-hmm. And it's also other things, other ideas on choices too. You Ginny makes the choice to not tell anybody about, about what's the diary and what's oh, yeah, going about on. About what, what's going on and that's kind of one of those things whenever you're young and I, I can't speak to this because I, I'm not, I'm not a woman and I'm not, you know, I don't know what you guys are going, we're going through, but it seems like, you know, with, with, with women, it, it's whenever you're young and have a, you're young in that age there and you're going into adolescence, you're emotionally vulnerable. You're very emotionally vulnerable and it's a lot harder for you to want to open up to people. And then of course, and when you do, mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you know, you might, you know, <laughs> open up to the wrong kinds of people and, and make a mistake and make and a mistake and it's okay but that's part of that's what you said that and like we said earlier that's kind of part of growing up right mm-hmm. learning how to distinguish you know who should i open up to and who's a good person you know kind of making your you know judgment and like do i want to be friends with this person or like is this person probably not somebody i should be hanging around with mm-hmm. and that's something you have to kind of learn on your own right you know, and, yeah. and unfortunately, obviously, you may have a bad taste in people because you chose to marry me. So, you know, obviously, that's your skewed. words, not mine. I know, we'll go with that. So <laughs> other things that I see in there, um, I see identity, which kind of goes along with choices a little bit. Um, very much identity as in uh, this really cements, like I said, with this really sets about the identity of a lot of the characters within the book. Right. It This really cements that. The Dursleys are just kind of awful people yeah. in the book. And I mean, that can kind of be explained, you know, like, because Harry's, you know, like, like we talk about later on, we learn that like, Harry is probably kind of the reason why they're like that, you know, because he's a Horcrux, you know? He's just like, he's kind of got a little bit of Voldemort in him, and you'll learn about this later, but you kind of find out, you know, maybe him being around them has caused them to become kind of jerks. More, well... 
they were hateful from well, the get-go. They're hateful, but it like amplifies it almost. You know, that's what it's I kind of feel like. Interesting perspective. That's kind of I would think that. it. Would, I think it would amplify it a little bit, but um, well, it's just he really, doesn't have that effect on any of his other friends. But which I would think, well, maybe yeah, like brings said, out the good well, in some, the bad. In he's others. also around them. I think I don't know significantly. Like he has to stay in their house a lot more. But I don't. Maybe maybe that's just me, but. Um, but yeah, obviously, with even without that being the case, they're just awful people. Um, but it also solidifies the idea of uh, Ron, the Weasleys' identities, like you know what parts they have to play, and like everything above all else is most important to them is family. Mm-hmm. Family is the most important thing to be there for each other. You get to meet Malfoy's family. Yeah, you find out that Lucius's power is the yeah. most important thing to him. Excuse me. And it's kind of sad, really, that he even kind of puts that almost above his his kid until, you know, later on you find out in the very end that he finds that power is not the most important thing, obviously. So, um, but what else do you see going on in here? Um, Big old dead science. Well, it's funny what sleep deprivation does to you. That's okay. Uh... Er- well you said identity choices those are big ones to jackie.exe is still loading yes thank Thank you you, james for that earlier thank you (laughs) um i feel like camaraderie friendship yeah more more friendship i feel like these books do a pretty good job with that because harry ron and hermione like really enhancing the relationship Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, for each other. they all kind of start to really work together. Like Hermione at first, like in the first book, she was kind of a, a busy buddy or kind of a busy body, busy body, person. kind of kind of a, a no rules should be broken kind of person. And this one, she's like, let's make some polyjuice potion, guys. Let's mm-hmm. be cra- let's I'm going to let you guys turn into crab and goil and I'm going to turn into a kitty cat. <laughs> well, that wasn't the plan. But yeah, so but yeah, it, she starts to kind of a little bit more of a rule breaker and she kind of starts to, you know, be OK with, you know, mm-hmm. doing stuff that would skirt the line. And you can kind of see that their their personalities are kind of wearing wearing on each other and they're kind of absorbing a little bit of each other into mm-hmm. their own personalities, kind of like because. Harry's like, well, we should look up this information now. And, you know, Hermione is starting to get a little more hard in her, kind of like Ron does, because she's starting to care a lot more about these guys. And Ron is kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and be brave like Harry, even <laughs> though I'm not very good at it. <laughs> well, and so. even when you mentioned one of your favorite scenes when um, Ron and his brothers, the twins, break Harry out of the Dursley's house, yeah. like that's showing friendship that yep. they were very much so to do that takes him to his his, their house Mm -hmm. and their mom just straight up welcomes them yeah and she's like yelling at the twins and and ron and harry's so lovely to see you so lovely to see you you could have been seen Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's 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 phenomenal but yeah there's there's so many other things i think another thing yeah go ahead about the diary well Mm -hmm. and like manipulation and take care like be very careful who you open yourself up to yeah. because tom in the diary is extremely manipulative yep. with jenny and then harry for a short time and i guess one final theme self-sacrifice because you didn't Absolutely. mention this but at the end when harry's fighting the basilisk he does get bitten and he's dying yeah. and if it wasn't for fox the phoenix to cry on him like the magic phoenix tears right. cure him 
Otherwise, he would have died. That's right. And then we wouldn't have gotten a little baby fox. Yeah. Cutest little adorable baby phoenix well, ever. No, I think he does that in the beginning of the book. Yeah, because Harry goes to he goes into I know I'm just Alvis's office, and then like Fox is like this old curmudgeonly like bird. He's not curmudgeonly, but he's all this. He looks old and yeah, sick, he's, and he's just sitting there. His, yeah, his, and his then feathers he explodes are, in are flames. Off, yeah. And Harry was it's like, like oh. then, <laughs> "This might just be in the movie," but Dumbledore comes in, and then Harry's like, "Sir, sir, your Freaking bird out. it it caught fire." <laughs> Yeah, just like losing and his Alvis stuff. And is like, well, it's about time. He's been looking awful this past <laughs> week. Just kind of uh, like Polly says, I love the humor. about freaking time. Yeah, and yeah, I think that that is in the beginning of this book because then that sets up what a phoenix is and then why when he shows up with the sorting hat with the big battle. But yeah, so is there, I know we're kind of hitting the end of our stride, but is there anything else that you would like to talk about before I hit in with uh, critical responses and awards Um, on this at all? No, I think go for it. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Okay. So obviously, you know, we, this, this movie, uh, this, this film and this book, have both been hailed as, you know, very well done. The book is especially well received, was especially well received when it was released. Uh, it was, you know, multiple uh, publications stated as it's going to be a, multi- a reread multiple times throughout your life. Um, and there's, it got several awards uh, being placed on numerous uh, must read children's book lists. And like I said, it's, it's one of those books that, I kind of hope to pass along to my kids whenever they get old enough and they can enjoy it. Isn't that right? Somebody just woke up guys. She made it the whole time sleeping. And finally she's, she's up. Do you want to say hi, Marcy? She's eh. <laughs> You're going to snore to people. Oh, that's good. I'll take it. Made <laughs> <laughs> a cute little yawn. I don't know. If a cute little yawn. Maybe she that up. Maybe she got it. But, anyways, guys, I hope you have enjoyed our episode on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This is one of. Uh, this is going to be number two of seven that hopefully we'll be getting out uh, here in the near future. Maybe in, probably within the year. Probably we're going to try and get these all done. Um, if not, it'll, we'll, we'll see what the timeline takes, but, um, Jackie, is there anything you would like to say before we head out? No, um, other than I think you got distracted by Marcy. Were you going to say anything else about the awards? No, no, not really. That's like I said, just, it's, it's a good book. It's, it was pretty good. And like I said, it, it did, it. It, it, it sold a bajillion copies just like the first one. But like I said, it didn't win any crazy, uh, you know, call, call to cut honor awards or anything like that. It just... It was the start of a multi-billion dollar franchise for JK. So, but anyways, guys, Jackie, I just want to say thank you for showing up. Marcy, thanks for showing up too. Somebody's hungry, guys. Yep. So, all right, I'm going to let you get out of here, Jackie. Sounds good. Bye. All right, I'm going to finish up here, guys. Again, I just want to say thanks for everybody showing up today. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, hit and uh, like and subscribe to our uh, channel. Let us know what we did right. If you liked this episode, um, please let us know what you liked about the episode. If you didn't tell us what you didn't like, if you didn't like the episode, but like I said, we want to try and continue to do things like this. And if you enjoy the style in which we're doing it, let us know. Uh, you can hit us up the link to our 
all of our uh, podcasts and things are down below in the link tree. And there's also a email if you want to get a hold of us. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, again, thanks to Jackie for showing up and waxing philosophical with me uh, about some literature that we love so very much. All right, we're going to get out of here. Have a great day, guys. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.